Hello everyone, I'm Annie Gibbons and you're listening to Memoirs of Successful Women, the podcast where you get to hear candid conversations with fascinating women from around the globe who share aspects of their business and life journey, how they measure their success and what they have learnt along the way. Hello and welcome to Memoirs of Successful Women. Today I have the absolutely beautiful opportunity to be interviewing Dr. Liz Eisenring, who is passionate about improving lives through evidence-based nutrition. Dr. Liz is Director of Link Nutrition, Honorary Adjunct Professor at Bond University, an international speaker and author of over 150 peer-reviewed scientific papers. And she's received over $4 million in research support over her career. She's also on the board of Maggie Beer Foundation, uh, Dietitian Connection, M-A-S-C-C and Orspen. As a foodie, Dr. Liz loves to help people improve their health, fitness, energy and vitality through good food. And what a great time to be interviewing you two days before Christmas when we're just about to eat ourselves silly. So welcome to the program, Dr. Liz. Thank you so much, Annie, and my pleasure to be here. And you are right, the, the start of the silly season, well, it probably started a few year, a few weeks ago. And for a lot of people, it won't wrap up until the new year. So I guess. <laughs> I so. We, we just launch into it as soon as it's like late November. It's like, oh, but it's better start all those Christmas parties. And then it's yeah. just eat, 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 eat. So, wow. So mm-hmm. tell me about, you're obviously a highly esteemed academic professional woman um, at the cutting edge of of nutrition why do you one why did you get led into that career first of all and then why do you still love it why do you love that's that's a great question so I think the nutrition and health aspect and food aspect you know it's always been with me I think I probably discovered around 11 or 12 that I really you know enjoyed cooking I sort of took over the family because my in contrast my mum does not oh. <laughs> so <laughs> she enjoys eating but not cooking so I think probably about the age 12 I sort of took over most of the family cooking so yeah. I always had that that um, that interest but I actually did not start my career as a nutrition um, nutritionist and a dietitian I actually went down the pharmacy road mm-hmm. um, it was actually a very good background you know it's good health science good biochemistry um, but I soon learned when I actually started, you know, doing my practice in the pharmacies that um, it wasn't for me. It wasn't the best fit. I think maybe 20, 30 years ago when we still actually made up all the products, you know, <laughs> yeah. you made up the potion or, you know, the tonic, um, you know, it's similar to following the recipe. I think that would have been good. But by the time I got to it, it was basically sticking labels on things yeah. and handing them out. And I think there was part of that bit about treating symptoms, not the cause that just didn't really resonate with me. So um, took a year out to find myself and backpack through Europe as you do. Awesome. <laughs> and, then, um, and then it really made sense to me. I, I went back to look at what my interests, what are my strengths. And actually I didn't, at that time, being a dietitian was a postgraduate qualification. So I actually hadn't come across it in my search yet, mm. but um, they actually then changed it to a, a four-year bachelor's. And, and yeah, so I then went down that route and never looked back. So that, wow. that's literally, and, and why I still love it. I love it because it, it encompasses, you know, obviously I'm a foodie, very passionate about that. Um, but I am also passionate about health and well-being. And I think, um, 
something that is so basic, so foundational, part of our culture, you know, part of our social fabric um, is, is really, really key. So, and I do love it. I think part of it is also that we really still have probably only scratched the surface of a lot of what we know. Mm. And um, particularly, you know, now it's all about gut health and whatever else. <laughs> very, very exciting, exploding world. But there's, yeah. there's so much we still don't know. So I think, you know, you never have a chance to get bored. There's so much to discover and you can genuinely improve people's lives mm. um, with good nutrition. So, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And I love that you, yeah, you knew that as a young girl. You had that core love. It was just a yeah. natural. And I, and I noticed that more and more people that I interview on this program uh, who were just owning their space actually go it's just a delight I've always loved it I knew I'd be good at it it interested me and so following those strengths it's always such a joy when you see people who you know sometimes that's right it wasn't that pharmacy is not a great career but it's like yeah once you tapped into it and those are the things that we don't know sometimes when we're choosing those careers what the end result will be and why it won't be a good fit um, Mm -hmm. at the end of the day I think that's so true and you know if I had any advice to my younger self or other people who are thinking around careers I really would focus on your interests and your strengths and I genuinely believe if you've got that passion and that love that I think you'll find success wherever you go whereas I think I don't know perhaps it's it's um, not such an issue now but I think we had so much focus on you know you need a good career or a stable job or or something like that um, which I led sort of impact more than more than what I love and I guess that, you know, if COVID's taught us anything, there's not necessarily a, <laughs> a stable career anymore, is there? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Nothing is guaranteed in the new norm. That's mm. for sure. So what have you, what has changed over your years as a dietitian? You know, what's, you know, how we, you know, for me as an observer, there's, you know, mm. different fads and trends come in and out of vogue and it's definitely mm. everyone has to eat kale and then now mm. they, you know, then you have to, you focus on these antioxidants and this and that. Mm whatever and it becomes confusing yeah. for the consumer uh, right? I, 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 I agree and even as an expert I tell you what sometimes <laughs> it can be confusing yeah so I think there's a couple of challenges with nutrition so the first one being I guess you know we all eat <laughs> so you know everyone has a familiar familiarity with it and in some ways you know feels we're an expert so I think we have that that sort of challenge I think also um, it is a fairly new profession compared with medicine and, and other sciences so we are learning more and more all the time and I think the third one is and I think this is actually a big challenge we have in Australia and a lot of other countries as well it's not actually we're self-regulated so it's not you know a registered profession so the term nutritionist is actually not protected so we have some ex- so as a dietitian I'm also a nutritionist so we have wow. some excellent nutritionists who have you know gone to university have a lot of experience and qualifications but you could also do an online you know one week course and call yourself a nutritionist so wow. yeah and so and the problem is as a consumer many people are not aware of this so we've got all these you know health experts and nutritionists and even influencers Yes. You know, talking about their favorite diet or, you know, they lost weight. Um, I don't know if you remember years ago, but Beyonce was quoted as, I don't know, having some sort of pepper and maple syrup <laughs> drink and lost hundreds of kilos and, you know, all this sort of crazy stuff. Lemon pepper diet or something. That's right. And not, I mean, who knows whether she even said that for starters, but yet, you know, this stuff gets picked up in the media. Yes. And so I think that's a real challenge. So then coming back with the science 
is is not quite as sexy. And I guess that's actually what I'm hoping to be now is a bit of a voice of reason and cut through that because generally as a scientist, you know, we're taught to be a little bit more grey, like this could happen or, yes, it's important to have, you know, a high-fibre diet but it depends what else you're having. Like we're a little bit more grey, which is not sexy for the media, whereas no. saying, you know, you can't eat bananas and you need to live on coconut oil or whatever it, it might be. You I mean, that's, lose two yeah, kilos that, this that's, that's, that's right. Just, they say it with confidence and colour. That's right. that's exactly. <laughs> and looking gorgeous in a bikini while they say it. Exactly. <laughs> so, one week after you've had a baby, just exactly. drank some coconut juice, right? right? So you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, and so, of course, that's what everyone remembers. So... I am still trying to balance the, the science and the evidence yeah. based, but I am, I've noticed, I guess, um, as I've become more senior and, um, you know, no one can doubt my track record now, it's out for everyone to see. I guess I've also become more confident and stating what I genuinely believe. Whereas I guess as a, as a, as a younger scientist or academic, you're still very grey. We still very talk in those scientific terms like, you know, it doesn't have strong evidence or a couple of studies have shown. And, you know, people, I know, I know myself, you turn off <laughs> as soon as you hear that. Um, so it's it's trying to put it in easy to understand language, but that's actually going to genuinely help help people as well. Yeah. I think it's a great point that you've you've raised because that's exactly it. The scientists and the clinicians are not salesy, you know, yeah. and that that's right. A lot of, you know, science and, and life is grey and that's right. You're, you're so into and focused on being accurate and not wanting to be misleading, whereas the consumer just wants to say, what is the exact, what is the result? How will it help me? How can I get it? And now, and when will it happen? Exactly. You know, so they're wanting these absolutes that actually surprise people that it, there aren't absolutes. You know, there's so many factors that are going to affect, you know, I look at, you know, even, you know, what we eat and, you know, what my, my daughter-in-law eats and she's sort of, you know, she can eat five Mars bars and still say stay size six, you know, and we just look yeah. at one and put on a kilo. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so we're not all made the same as we appreciate, but marketing loves everybody to be in a box, you know, and it's absolutely, a absolutely. And even as humans, I think we like a simple answer just tell me what type of milk to have just tell me should I be vegan should I be this you know they just yeah. want an exact whereas we actually know there's there's many different ways of eating healthy and being healthy it's mm -hmm. finding what works for you and it, it as you say it depends on everything else it's your mindset it's how physically active you are it's environment it's genetics um, but that takes a little bit of time to discuss and when people just want this you know bikini shot having the having the drink <laughs> yeah you don't really have the time to go through that but yeah I think um, simplifying it giving people uh, real accurate helpful information but is also very easy to uh, pardon the pun digest <laughs> very easy to digest um, you know uh, but still be based on science is, is um, really I guess my core message at the moment because looking back like I think you know nutrition dietetics is a fabulous profession I'm very very proud I think we've done lots of things but even I look back on some of the things I've said decades you know ago and it is a bit dry and boring I have to say I look at some of the media releases I've written and they're just so it's like like you know publishing a scientific paper it's you know it was not it was very dry so yeah, kind exactly. of like liven it up a little bit <laughs> make it a bit more consumer focused while yeah. still being accurate I love That's that right. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, so if someone was actually sitting listening to you now thinking, you know what, I do know my diet is not balanced or I, I put on weight and I don't understand why or I I don't have the energy that I want even though I think I eat good food or I know I don't good, eat good food and maybe that's the source, would they automatically reach out to a, a nutritionist, a dietitian, uh, an accredited dietitian or nutritionist? <laughs> like what what choices would they make and why yeah so i think once again it depends where they're at but you know places like dietitians australia you know even my own um, website dr liz nutrition you know we have a lot of free nutrition resources and tips that people can access i think that's a really good point of call for people who actually know there are some issues maybe they've got some gut issues extreme stress maybe a chronic um, condition so now of course with all the focus on on covid but even just other you know, colds and flus and things. I, I do support a lot of people with chronic disease or that have um, also a bit of a weakened immune system. And there is quite a lot we can do via nutrition to actually make sure our immune system is, is doing its job as well as it can be. Um, and a lot of that is just focusing on fresh whole food and trying to eliminate a, lo a lot of processed stuff that unfortunately as part of our Western diet, you know, it's just filled with, you know, we have to actually make a bit of an effort to, to focus on fresh stuff and get rid of some of the processed stuff. Um, so in that case, I think it is actually a good idea to, to see an accredited practicing dietitian nutritionist mm -hmm. because they can go through a full assessment. Um, if we see you in person, a lot of us also have body composition type scanners, which are a bit scary, but very useful because it, it not only, you know, weight to me is just such a, you know, um, general indicator yeah. it's not a great indicator of health as, as we know um, but looking at your, your muscle proportion compared to fat also how we deposit it we know with women uh, we tend to be more of a pear shape rather than an apple shape which for type 2 diabetes and heart disease is actually quite a good thing mm -hmm. um, and so there's there's various other assessments that that we can do in person it, even if we can't be in person like just like zoom like we're, we're doing now there's still a lot we can do in terms of a very detailed uh, diet history, do a full analysis and just see whether your nutrients are actually meeting your requirements for mm. your age and gender, how physically active you are, yeah. um, how much stress you're under. And I tell you what, at the moment, is it's a huge one. Stress and burnout and emotional eating and drinking. Yes. I am seeing it everywhere. And, and, and you know, the, in my over 20-year career, I've never seen it to this extent. So wow. it's, yeah, yeah. It's, um, yeah. Definitely it's noticed a lot of people talking about the COVID belly. Yes, that's <laughs> Working right. Working from home, close yeah. to the fridge, seem to need, just have break times, get easily distracted. You yeah. know, definitely if you're in lockdown, you know, I am in the Northern Beaches at the moment, you know, it's that, mm. oh, I've got to go and get exercise. It's very easy to suddenly just do the whole day and not get out and exercise. And definitely the drinking. Oh, my gosh, dr drinking. yeah. yeah. I'm gone to a whole new level. Um, That's right. Mm. I th I'd love to raise the point that you mentioned before about, you know, how important it is, particularly those who are immunosuppressed or compromised, mm. to be treated by a, um, a nutritionist, a dietitian. You know, when my father had a brain tumour, I don't recall him ever being um, asked to address his diet. It was all on yeah. his scans and his treatment and his chemo and surgery and all of this. And, you know, he used to go, oh, I've got to, got to eat more muesli less fats or something you know it's got to be good for me but is it worth it you know that sort of that's about all I heard about it 
Is that changing? You know, why why wouldn't that be a first point of call to go, yes, you know, you're wanting to obviously remove a tumour or something, you know, quite serious, uh, but wouldn't your overall health be the core ingredient of what you're trying to help help the person help themselves yes exactly I would say yes but obviously I'm very biased coming from my point of view so I can understand um you know from all the different and and as you know you know we we tend to be taught in disciplines so you know different disciplines um, have their own area of expertise and while I understand you know treatment um, at that stage is is often the priority I still think it's so important that we we chat and make sure, you know, the nursing staff are often very good at asking about symptoms and pain and other things. Um, but unfortunately, I, do, I, I if you had asked me this about 10 years ago, I would have said, yes, we're making such a big difference. I, you know, I'm, I'm um, the only Australian that was involved in this international group that actually um, uh, developed international best practice guidelines for nutrition for people undergoing uh, cancer treatment. And they're, yeah, thank you. They're, they're very highly cited. They're, yeah, they're accessed by over 40 countries. Um, you know, they're, but um, so, yes, I felt we were making a huge difference. You know, things were happening in hospitals and healthcare. However, due to my more recent experience, then I think we've still got a long way to go. So that that was actually one of the, the reasons why I decided to sort of transition a little bit out of academia and focus on my own business, because I did have um, two friends go through their cancer journey. And so, you know, just as I'm sure with your father, seeing it through their eyes, I saw, you know, there was good care, really good care, you know, excellent doctors and whatever. And then there was stuff which I thought could be done better, particularly around the whole communication space. And then I just saw gaping holes. And and one of that was the fact that no one mentioned during the whole, you know, one of them had over six months treatment. No one mentioned anything about uh, nutrition. Um, And then also that sort of lack of care once they've finished treatment. And, you know, it's one of my friends sort of said she just felt that she was spat out of a system to then try and get her life back together again basically um and so then that kind of made me look at everything again and realize that we do actually still have a long way to go mm-hmm. and um and i you know i've had many of these discussions with my my um, medical colleagues and i think it, it is that issue of being specialist people are just so focused on their area of speciality that they forget then the, the supporting stuff and you know from a patient point of view you know there's nothing really they can do about treatment they they might get a few options but they're going to go with what the specialist tells them whereas nutrition is one of the few things that either they or their loved ones can have an impact on so it gives them a sense of control it is important for quality of life and in fact we now here's with my science hat on we actually have really good evidence to show that if you're well nourished and getting what you need um and it the requirements do change before treatment during treatment after treatment um but then you you know you you have uh, you have a better quality of life your your strength is up you're less likely to get infections less likely to go get admitted to hospital with problems so we do have some good evidence around that area but I think it just tends to get forgotten about so yeah that's one of my my things is that I really want to mm. champion that and try and bring it together and even if it doesn't necessarily come from the medical side although I, I wish it would yeah just the fact that um, patients and their loved ones know that they themselves can access information yeah I think that's the other thing they're often so bombarded with information but then trying to cut through exactly what they need and Mm. when they need it 
Mm. So anyway, yeah. <laughs> wow. Tricky. Yeah, I can tricky. imagine that feeling, <laughs> I know, after you were so accomplished even a decade ago and yeah. that feeling when you've been involved in something and you've created this amazing guidelines and that's mm. right, internationally revered, mm. like how could that not change the world, right? And when you're in that state, you think, well, isn't it an automatic default that that would just funnel through? But the the frustrating thing is often these these um, channels of communication do take years of of time um, and they're not automatic they're great for those who are academics and do rec um, you know use those guidelines but for the average consumer they will assume that well if I needed to know something my doctor would tell me or you know my physician is in charge of that and so um, so that concept and that's the modern health you know that wellness model um, complementing you know that you know treatment model um, is so empowering to the patient to actually as you said before there's not many things that they can do with their treatment but they can certainly take control of not only their diet but their mm -hmm. exercise routine right. and yes. their spiritual state and their whole self holistically mm -hmm. and yep. so that's a great message to people go no you know not just go to dr google but mm -hmm. you know search real academic um, guidelines on mm -hmm. what what is suggested for your state so you've just gone and said you know you've done a paper you know papers on mm -hmm. cancer nutrition mm -hmm. in cancer you know mm -hmm. that's really top end mm -hmm. um, and would be very helpful to people and then there's probably different types of cancers this is the whole thing you know yeah absolutely it's like yeah mm -hmm. ask those questions and research mm -hmm. well not just someone on instagram who's got a you know if you want to feel energetic tomorrow take this product right yeah i think that's completely right and uh, even if you um want help in uh interpreting the scientific paper so for those who maybe don't have that background which you know completely understand unless you've spent a lot of time doing it you, sure. know, my most, you know it's not the most exciting bedtime reading um but then access someone you know either like myself or someone you know cancer council or someone who can actually sort of interpret and say so what does this mean for you yeah. and i think you know let's be honest um you know doctors are, have fabulous um speciality but it is so hard just keeping on top of what they need to keep on top of, you know, particularly uh, radiation and chemotherapy. There's new and new protocols and things coming out all the time. So to then try and keep on um, top of other disciplines area, I think it's very hard. So I think it's, it's having a good relationship, knowing when to refer. And, um, and I will say, you know, there's some really good teams and I have seen some really good multidisciplinary care happening so it, it does exist it does exist yeah but I don't think it happens across the continuum of care so often it's just during treatment or just during chemotherapy so I don't think it happens well beforehand and mm -hmm. from what I've seen I don't believe it happens really nicely afterwards mm -hmm. which can often be one of the hardest times for people it's so good that we have you know great survival rates now for many types of cancers but yeah. that then means that um people at higher risk of different chronic conditions and particularly if they haven't had uh, good mental support then you know a lot of issues around depression can raise their head so yeah I think there certainly needs to be um, as you said before really just embracing that whole concept of, of complete well-being and, and for me I like to look at it from the you know the mind sort of the nutrition and, and the physical activity and actually yeah. I will just mention that because you know yeah. everyone's thinking about chemotherapy and and surgery and, Let's and radiation. Now. Yeah, well, honestly, particularly in terms of um, cancer fatigue, and this is so interesting because for many years, you know, I presented at a lot of different multidisciplinary 
are cancer conferences. And of course, they're well um, attended by pharmaceutical industry because they're always looking at, you know, the new, the new whatever. But yeah, with cancer-related fatigue, the best known thing we have for it is basically physical activity. And then I will always argue and try and remind people, supported by good nutrition, because, yes. you know, you can't, be, <laughs> you can't be optimally active without the good nutrition. Um, but that's, that is more effective than any pharmaceutical drug we have on the market at the moment for cancer-related yeah. fatigue. But, yeah. you know, still a lot of people aren't aware and that message doesn't get out. So, yeah, and there's I, a lot I more love, we need to do. I love my GP. Even when <laughs> yeah. she's feeling a bit down, he goes, before you ask me for any script, just exercise more. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, and his, his yeah. view is that's right. You've got depression, you've got anxiety, you're just feeling a bit sort of blah, mm. um, end of year fatigue, or you're actually going through treatments. He's going, mm. it's always my first script is exercise more. And that's not... You know, you don't have to go to F45 and do a boot camp five days a week. You know, it's actually just get out there in nature. And I've really embraced that over the last, you know, decade of actually just, yeah, going trekking, you know, having some weight based, you know, put a little bit of something in your backpack, you know, pushing yourself a little bit more. Plus it's social, you know, yes. you, can, you can walk and talk, you can yeah. get out there and, you know, not only are you getting the endorphins from the natural environment, you're, you're pushing your body in a healthy way without the, the stress on it. And you also get to, you know, see nice views and talk to people. So it's a pretty yeah. good combination nation why do you think we get in this situation that you know we have such high obesity levels and we don't automatically value this it's so frustrating i imagine from your side going why wouldn't everybody uh, be yes healthy but, and yeah. fit? but it's not automatic even oh it's not and like me you raise yeah. your kids you give them healthy yeah. foods mm-hmm. and then they then make their own choices and you're like why is that still you know mm. a default for so no, many that's right Absolutely. Or they might be, you know, teenagers like me that grow up as, you know, the teenagers of a dietitian. So their way of rebelling is to <laughs> point, point out every McDonald's we drive past. <laughs> um, look, um, I, I think the big thing is that our modern world is just geared towards convenience. And unfortunately, that means a lot of processed food and taking away a lot of the natural physical activity that we would have had to have done just to do our everyday chores and and lifestyle. And you know what, I have also see it through a very different experience because part of what helped me make this transition um, across to to supporting more people one-on-one is I had my own journey. And and as many health people in the healthcare industry do, and even um, I noticed the same with teachers and carers as well. But ironically, you know, being this international nutrition expert and actually teaching it. And, you know, if you had asked me, did I value health? I would have said absolutely because, you know, I was doing 15 hour days plus teaching it, talking it, seeing patients, whatever. Um, But I I was absolutely um, heading for burnout. And I think basically living on coffee during the day and probably a bit too much alcohol at night to unwind. Mm. Um, And it wasn't until, you know, I had that experience with my friends and then just kind of re- questioned everything and my why and then sort of started taking steps to realign my life to what was really important to me and part of that was also taking care of my health and fitness and looking back um I actually I was not I was not healthy Uh, even though I I thought I valued health yeah um but I wasn't I kept pushing it down um in terms of my list of priorities so over the past year I've really made um active steps I'm still not 100% there but um Oh, yes. It, and it just feels so much better. But it has been uh, built, rebuilding those healthy habits and reminding myself of why it's important. 
finding yeah. things, you know, as you said, like walking in nature, things to me that I look forward to and enjoyable, as opposed to thinking, oh God, you know, I've got to go to the gym for an hour and sweat it out. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's easier to put that off than, you know, I'm going to meet up with friends and go for a nice walk or something yeah. like that. Um, and I think it's, it's just building up those habits. And for me, what worked, and I can see with many of my clients, it's ridiculously simple things that you build on. And then after a week, that after a few weeks, that becomes a new normal. And then you reintroduce something else. Yeah. And it might be as simple as, you know, doing 10 minute lots of exercise or walks, you know, once or twice a day. And then once that becomes the new habit, then building up on that, you know, including an extra set of veggies a day, that's the new normal add on extra things and um i think that's key but no oh gosh i have a new appreciation because it's um particularly at you know my age of life in my prime it's not as easy as well because you think you know in your 20s if you need to lose a few kilos you you know whatever but um no at a particular age it, it does require it doesn't quickly yeah. no that's what i've found no so I, I can really feel for a lot of my clients now where I'm like, you sure that's what you're, you're only eating that? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, and plus, you know, adding in hormones and whatever else, it does become much more complex. But the good news is there is so much we can do, but a lot of it is establishing those healthy habits and, um, and a lifestyle as opposed to those, you know, the extreme crazy diets which yeah. of course, you know, coming up to New Year's, it's going to be, oh my <laughs> they're God. all going to come out. They're all going to come out. I know. I now look back and go, here, everyone just eats themselves silly for about, you know, six, seven weeks. Yeah. And suddenly it's like, oh, I'm going back to work, you know, end of January. I'm now better starve myself for a week <laughs> or, or just do these crazy diets or, you know, what's the latest, you know, um, concept of quick quick weight loss and so yeah it's it's those roller coaster rides that with anything in life we want to avoid right I, i'm all into the even keel and intentional and yeah have a bit of woohoo you know yeah, yeah. no one yeah, wants to burst the bubble we're not the fun yeah. police yeah uh, but it's all about saying yeah that's right even the loss you know even if that has happened to you and then you therefore do need to do, do, then lose it well lose it step by step in intentional ways because that's right anything that's sustainable like you were mentioning before it's those you know anything because it's habit forming it's got to yes. be part of your daily routine and make sense and be something that you just do rather than I did it and I've and then about two months later, you'll be putting it all back on again, you know. Exactly, so. exactly, exactly. And um, completely agree. And I guess one of my other messages, yes, we're not the fun police, you know, absolutely enjoy this this time. But on the same token, I do notice a lot of people tend to be all or nothing. It's kind of like, oh, you know, we've had COVID, it's Christmas, I don't even worry about it. I just eat what I want for those six or seven weeks. And then I'll, and then I'll focus on it. But instead of, you know, so then it goes to the other extreme. And so instead of people being a little bit more conscious and enjoying, you know, their champagne and turkey and whatever else, it's kind of like even eating stuff that they don't even want, but it's there. They've got to eat it. It's just there. Um, <laughs> so it, it's, just, it's just still enjoy it, but it doesn't mean you have to go crazy for a solid time. And, and my other suggestion is perhaps work out which ones are going to be the really special ones you want to enjoy? Like, is it Christmas Eve? Is it Christmas Day? Is it the brunch? And maybe choose those rather than every single thing you do for the next six weeks. <laughs> because then it makes when you hit, once you hit January, you'll be feeling so much better rather than, yeah. <laughs> 
Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Oh my goodness. You must be delighted as a, a nutritionist to see so many new foodies though, with, with the oh, Master Chef generation yeah. and the, and the, the DIY everything yeah. now. There is yeah. certainly a whole new generation of people um, that are really into food, and yeah. and I yeah. wonder if does it equate with the nutrition, or is it more on the look and the and the variety and the you know yeah. that it's it's a bit cosmetic if you like, but hopefully in there it is is also focused. I know there's it's definitely a growing trend in certain areas to yeah go more organic and really you know make those choices. Yeah. When That's right. Yeah, which I think is lovely, uh, getting to know your farmers or where your food's coming from. And, yeah, I think that's beautiful. I must admit also, you know, around the MasterChef days, um, my kids were uh, giving me uh, scores for my plating <laughs> for the presentation. It tasted great, but, oh, losing marks for presentation. <laughs> so I'm not sure if I was too happy about that. But, um, no, I actually genuinely I think it's a good thing. And particularly, I hope more so with our youngsters, because, you know, as things become more processed and, and, and modern, you know, we still have the challenge that kids don't know where certain fruit and veggies are come from. Exactly. I just assume they come from a can or from the freezer. So, um, you know, understanding a bit more of that paddock to plate, getting them involved, even if it's just in her growing herbs at home. Yeah. And, and that's one of my um, big tips, you know, for fussy eaters or, um, you know, if kids or teenagers aren't embracing the family meal, get them a bit more involved either in growing or buying oh, or preparing or hopefully amazing, all. Makes such yeah. a difference. Yeah. You know, when we yeah. put our kids on, you know, you've got to cook a night a, night a week for dinner. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, that's right. They're going out and they're, you know, some, they'll blow the budget. They'll do the opposite. They'll really go down there and go, oh, I had to buy this and this and this, whatever. But yeah. uh, it does give them a new appreciation. And also I'm noticing, you know, I've got a little three-year-old granddaughter and 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 that mm -hmm. joy of, that's right, we'd go and check on our strawberry patch or we check yeah. on how the tomatoes are going. Mm -hmm. and You know, mm -hmm. how's Nana's mint? We need that right for Christmas Day. <laughs> Beautiful. you know and this yeah. sort of thing it's really yeah. great to you know you're not on a farm you're just in suburbia so it doesn't mm. have to be totally the full package but it does make them start thinking that's right you know my mm. view is you know I always go plastic's not fantastic you know anything out of plastic is not not you know mm. what, what was the choice before then and so you know I do I, I love that and I think even if you are focusing on the cosmetic you know version of the plating mm. and this and that it's kind of like you know it's like if you were wanting to grow your nails and then you go what's the first thing you just paint them every day to make you know you, you give it attention mm -hmm. start doing something and they'll end up growing you know mm -hmm. so it's kind of like if you're into the food your food plating and the and the variety then at least you're most of the way there then start mm -hmm. thinking about the nutrition of mm -hmm. what you actually put into that plate and and why you know mm -hmm. the view of food is fuel and mm -hmm. so it's the right fuel but it's also sometimes it's like you, you you've got too much fuel if you're not burning it, how are you actually burning? You know, you're ready to, you know, get a, get a, a rocket ship going, but you, you you're not actually activating. Enough to do it. That's yeah, very very true, very true. Um, yeah, so I think it's great, and that's I guess one of the the silver linings of COVID is that a lot of people are doing more cooking at home and involving the family, and so I hope I hope there'll be some nice reset things from this experience that continue because I think that. Um, you know, for a lot of people, we're just getting to that automatic eating out or, um, you know, getting takeaway all the time without fully appreciating 
you know, I, I enjoy eating out as, as much as the next person, but I also like to know what's in my food. And, you know, one of the best ways is obviously doing it, doing it. Yourself. Now, well, there's yeah. a mom's question to you there. Therefore, yeah. when I order a Thai or Indian mm-hmm. compared to making it at home, is it just that someone else has made it for you or have they put in extra things as, as um, you know, does it have extra sugars and extra additives that I'm not aware of? Yeah, well, once again, it all depends, you know, which particular restaurant. But so one thing I think um, a lot of the, the good restaurants do really well is, you know, their mixture of the, her- of the herbs and the spices, like particularly with some of the, you know, authentic um, Indian. I think perhaps they do some of that a little bit better than our, our quick versions at home. However, you are right, a lot of them do put, so in the Asian food, you know, it might be the, the palm sugar and the coconut cream and all those sorts of lovely things, um, which really help with mouth feel. Um, and in the Indian, it's often ghee and also coconut cream or butter or various other things. But that can certainly jack up the, the calorie intake. Yeah. Um, so, and I'm not saying that you can never eat those things, um, but you know, not as frequently or perhaps just watch the serving sizes because, of course, that can be the challenge as well. Not so much if you're all sharing and can get what you want, but I have noticed sometimes if you're just getting a one main meal to yourself, you know, some of the serving sizes are. I know. It's like, well, you've got one instead of two dishes. There's enough. Exactly yes. right. And do you say that and then it all disappears anyway? Oh, I know. I just mean it. It's crazy, isn't it? I know. Yeah. Portion sizes. Oh, we could go on for days. That's we for could. sure. Um but we won't because I know you're a very, very busy woman. <laughs> so, um, oh, I had another question. Now I can't remember what it was. Uh, that's all right. I'll, I'll get back to it. I'll have to chop this out of the thing. Oh, that won't work out very well. Um, so where to from here? Where, how, As a nutritionist in your career, how are you going to change your practice? What are you, how, are you, how are your learnings changing your future future self? So the first one, I think, is that, you know, while I was traditionally trained all on nutrition and that was my focus, that was my speciality, and it still is, you know, I now use the three pillars of mindset, menu, which is the nutrition side, and movement. And I think beforehand, just looking at it so closely in isolation was actually doing, you know, my clients and my patients a disservice. So I do now generally believe. And, and so obviously I'm not, as, I'm not an expert in, in the mindset and the movement. So I do the, 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 the basics, but then refer on or bring in, you know, the experts where I need to. So I think that that's the more holistic preventative type approach rather than just trying to treat, treat the symptoms. I think that's a key one. I am uh, getting with the technology in that, um, yes, <laughs> rather than just having a, a physical clinic base I actually do most of my work like this via Zoom meetings. And I also have a couple of online programs which are self-paced. So one is around immune health and gut health because that's just been such a huge issue over the past few months. Um, And my other one is a collaboration with a US-based very experienced personal trainer that's called Synergy. And so basically it's designed for busy professionals and business owners to have basically a personal trainer and a dietitian in their home or in their office and where they can just work through workouts and nutrition videos and recipes and things at their own pace plus still have the support so those are the sort of two main programs that I do and um, yeah literally it's to try and get out more and chat more to people and hopefully do it in more of a you know easily accessible way rather than 
yes, you should be having your 30 grams of fiber and focusing on this and make sure you have, you know, this amount of milligrams of calcium and whatever else. Because to the average person, that doesn't mean anything at all. No, absolutely nothing. I have customer yeah. feedback there. I would just glaze yeah. over going, I don't know what, I don't even know what that looks like. No, that's right. I don't care. So, yeah, so I think it's it's really about that and, and listening, listening to, because what you said before, it, it's such a, nutrition is a really crowded space um, and what, what makes it even more complicated is a lot of the loudest voices are actually the ones that have the least <laughs> qualifications or or um, experience mm. um, so it, it's trying to sort of navigate. like I say be a bit yeah navigate that be a voice of reason and actually help help people and and for me also it's not so much about the aesthetics of course if you eat well and you move you're going to look and feel better but that's sort of a nice byproduct for me it's how you feel it's your yeah. health it's you know your cholesterol coming down it's it's all those sorts of factors and I'd like to put more emphasis on that um, rather than the aesthetics because you know just because the the man or the lady look gorgeous in their oh, swimsuit exactly. with their abs hanging out it does actually mean they're healthy and who knows maybe they've been starving themselves for the past few months to just for that one photo shoot. So, um, <laughs> exactly. I, I've uh, yeah, been on yeah. heights with some really yeah. skinny girls who've just got yeah. no energy, you know, uh, and you kind of yeah. go, wow, you might go, you looked amazing in your active wear, and you know, yeah, I'll yeah. sort of chunk it up a little bit. Um, but I'm like going, wow, but I can carry my pack, I'm healthy, yeah. my heart rate, you know, my recovery was all really great. Whereas they're yeah. like, can I pop my thing in your backpack? Yeah. Going, wow, so that's right. So look does not mean health. That's right. Look does yeah. not mean they've got a lot of energy. Um, and mm -hmm. so there's so many different factors, as we know. Yeah. Uh, so mm -hmm. I just love what you're doing, Dr. Liz. And how do people find you if they want to reach out to you? What was your yeah. website again? So, yeah, so my website is drliznutrition.com. And I am all over the socials and I love connecting and um, email is probably the best way to get in touch with me if someone actually wants to, to personally connect. But yeah. That's great. Well, I will have all your details on my pod podcast platform and YouTube channel for sure. Uh, and let's finish this interview with then talking about success. What does a successful woman look like or sound like to you? Do you see yourself as very successful? What qualities do you define that success to have? Wow, mind-blowing question. That Thank you, Annie. A good questions. one, a good one to end on that one. Look, I would now say, I would say I am stepping into and owning my success now, which I, I think is a really nice stage of life to be in. And to me, success means success in areas of life that are important to you. And, you know, I probably would have argued in the past, you know, I was very successful in one or two areas, you know, career, but not as successful in my health or hobbies or life outside of career. Because to be honest, I didn't have a life outside of career. Um, so, <laughs> so whereas now it is more, more balanced and I'm focusing all my time and energy on those many aspects that are really important to me. So to me, success is someone who isn't afraid to be themselves, to own it and have success in several different areas of life, not just in one or two, while neglecting other really, really important areas in their life. And, and unfortunately, I think as women, um, we're probably, we're, 
well, one, we don't have, most of us don't have wives to pick up the pieces and, <laughs> and, um, and, you know, we do tend in some ways do tend to put the needs of others before our own. Mm. So I, I, yeah, I, you know, for my message, I think it's for, and I do, I'm so excited and proud to know so many amazing successful women, but I think it's giving permission and, and ownership to really fully embrace all aspects of life, not just, you know, one or two. Mm. Well, thank you so much for your sharing today. I think it's been so educational. People are really going to sort of sit back and go, yeah, that's right. What am I eating and why? When do I eat it? What are my patterns? What are my habits with food? What's even my emotion, my mindset around food? You know, do I actually think I'm even worthy of giving myself great nutrition so that I can be my best self? It's obviously a complex uh, topic, but we've started it here today and I really appreciate the candid conversation and your open sharing about your journey. I think that's been really um, encouraging for people to see that even, you know, a, a top academic professional mm-hmm. in that space, you know, has had those learnings of, you know, yeah. suddenly your time can blow out and you can be working ridiculous hours. You can be, you know, that's right, living on fumes or, or <laughs> of coffee, um, you know, and, and, and it's amazing that, you know, it's that reality of, yeah, practice what you preach. And you're yeah. certainly doing that beautifully. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. you're a, such a wonderful inspiration to to those you know women listening to this podcast who are just like yeah really it's worth it I am worth it I am Mm. worth looking after myself in this way and then you can also be a blessing to yourself and all of those that you um, delight being with and impact and so thank you for sharing today my pleasure thanks so much for listening to this episode of memoirs of successful women You can find me at anniegibbons.com where you can download my free resources, get connected on social and check out my online magic transformation program. If you love this show, feel free to subscribe to future episodes and of course, share it with your friends. I'll see you again soon and until then, happy podcasting.